Yeah, actually one of our members of our community makes those videos, isn't that awesome? He's so talented, I know, Timmy's awesome. Yeah, Timmy's great. Um, yeah, I know, if, if only Timmy was here, then it would be fantastic, but this is recorded, so Timmy, we love you, man. Um, yeah, so again, my name's Mark, I am the intern pastor here with Sanctuary, and I'm so glad that pretty much everyone can see me. If you're on the risers, maybe scoot up a little bit. Um, but we're super excited about tonight, because we're going to be adding a few more voices on stage with me. So we thought it'd be really cool to have different people from different walks of life, different perspectives, different cultures, all talking about the same thing. And tonight we're going to be diving into our topic, which is into the wilderness. And so before we'd like to jump in, I would also like to give you all a chance to contribute to today's conversation. And so there's going to be a Google number on the screen that if you have questions or if you'd like to, us to unpack something even more, we have a Google text number that's going to be going to this iPad and we're gonna have some time at the end of the service tonight that where we can answer those. So we'd really like to encourage you to text this number. It's gonna be up on screen all night, and we're gonna have a few minutes at the end of service to answer some of your questions. So we thought it'd be really cool. Um, so now, I would like to invite up our awesome panelists. So panelists, would you like to join me on stage? I know, let's give them a hand, come on. Yeah. That's great. Everyone brought their teas. Everyone's all comfortable and nice. Perfect. That's great. So why don't we go ahead and go down the line, and we'll introduce ourselves and maybe say a little bit about who you are and what you do and how you help out at Sanctuary. Hey, everybody. Um, my name is Jeremy. I am the worship leader here on staff. I've uh, been here for almost four months from Virginia, um, and I'm still getting... Yeah, somebody's from Virginia? Okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, awesome. just still, still getting used to uh, what Bay Area life's all about, so... That's me. Um, hello. Yeah, come on, Jeremy. Uh, my name is Monique. I'm Brazilian. Uh, I've been here in Saint. Many Brazilians here, huh? <laughs> yeah, I've been here uh, since um, I think 2016, so two years now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm a life group leader in Palo Alto. I do international uh, life group at Paso. Uh, yeah. again. I'm back. <laughs> I'm Lisa Carhart. I grew up in Atlanta, but we have lived, yes, all out there. Uh, we've lived here in Menlo Park for 20 years. We've been part of our church for 20 years, and I've been on our church staff now for 10 of it. All right. And um, I'm the pastor here at the cafe in the morning, so if you ever want to wake up early, come see us at the cafe in the mornings. <laughs> Uh, my name's Chase. I play drums here sometimes in Sanctuary. I know Juan back there. Um, and I've been coming to Sanctuary since 2009. So I'm an old timer, I guess. That's awesome. Well, thank you again, everyone, so much for offering to help out and just kind of speak into tonight's topic. So let's go ahead and we'll dive into our passage. And this is, you can find it in Matthew chapter 4, okay, verses 1 through 11. I'll go ahead and read this for us. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And that's what we're going to be talking tonight about, right? Jesus was led into the, by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, then these stones, then tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Then the devil took him to the holy city to stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command angels concerning you, and they will lift, up, lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put your Lord God, the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdom and of the world and its splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. So we're just going to kind of piggyback off of our last series of how can a book be alive? And I'm just going to ask you what stuck out to you about this passage, what was something interesting and yeah, let's unpack that a little bit. So what did you get out of this passage? I'll start. Um, so something that stuck out to me about this passage was um, the fact that Jesus was led into the wilderness immediately after he was baptized. And I feel like this really is a, is a biblical life, a biblical blues clues, if you will. It's sort of like a, um, a life trend that kind of will throw us as Christians sometimes. It'll, we'll be confused as to why um, immediately after our, our, our in the water moment when we're, you know, high on a mountaintop, after that mountaintop moment, we're confused as to why, you know, we'll come to church on Sunday and feel all fired up, but then on Monday morning, we're, we're back where we started, and we're confused as to why we're in the wilderness, and I feel like, you know, if you find yourself in that, in that place tonight, then um, maybe, just maybe, God has you exactly where, where he wants you to be. It's not that you're doing something wrong, it's you, maybe you're doing something right, and the proof of that is in this passage that Jesus, you know, I mean, come on, it's Jesus. He was, went straight from the water to the wilderness. So the, the tension of that, that's where I think you'll, you'll, um, you'll find your gold. Uh, yeah, um, something that I really like about this passage is that um, Jesus really knew uh, his identity. He knew who he was and what God had for him. Uh, and it's very important that we uh, search and we learn uh, about our identity too uh, and what the scriptures says about us because the devil, uh, the devil knows uh, the scriptures as well. And sometimes the devil will use the scriptures uh, against us to try to turn us to, to pursue us to some uh, way that is not what God wants us to, to go the same way as he was trying to do with Jesus. Uh, so it's really important uh, for us to uh, understand the scriptures. And when these moments come to our lives, we are ready the same way as Jesus was ready. If you think about it, uh, Jesus was like 40 days there. He was tired. He was hungry. And there were a lot of uh, temptations, but he knew who he was. And that makes all the difference. Great, thank you. Yeah, there's so much in there, isn't there, to explore in that passage and think about and unpack. There's there's a lot there, Mark, to say what stuck out to you. There's a lot to look at. Um, so, so many things. The first phrase about God leading or the Holy Spirit leading Jesus into the wilderness, that stuck out to me. And I've already talked to Mark about that a little bit, so we can talk about it a little bit more later. But I think that's an interesting puzzle, why the Spirit was leading Jesus into a time of suffering, a wilderness. Um, and like Monique said, then he got into a place where he was super hungry and tired and what I call desperate. And many times in our own wildernesses, we are truly desperate. 
um, in those times. And so the temptations of the world and the temptations of our way um, and Satan's way can really be powerful when we're desperate. So just Jesus's desperation there. Um, but he meets God there as well. And I'm also just touched at the end of the passage that the angels came and ministered to him at the end of the passage and just the depth of God's tenderness and love for us when we're in our wilderness times and that, that that's the last phrase of this story in this passage really stuck out to me. Great. Yeah, I remember having a lot of trouble with this passage. Can you raise your hand if you've like been reading the Bible and just like, I'm going to skip over this as I'm doing my devotional? <laughs> so I had a really tough time because, um, yeah, like that question of like, it you know, says the Holy Spirit led him to temptation. Like, does, is that what the Spirit does? And then it's like, you have this showdown between Jesus and the devil. I'm like, I know who's going to win. There's no tension here. Like, what am I supposed to get from this? And um I really liked what Matt Stefan was saying a few weeks ago in the Bible series when he says the, the importance and the richness of reading uh, the passages in context. And so when we look at this in Matthew, so much of Matthew is about showing that um, Jesus is like this fulfillment of the Israelite people. And so we see him going into the wilderness for 40 days um, in the same way they wandered the wilderness for 40 years. And when you look at the temptations, like they stack up so well of like, what are you going to eat? How are you going to survive? You know, is, um, does God actually care about you? Is this the comfort, you know, like, is this what you're supposed to be here for? Look at these other gods you could worship. You know, they may have your interests better in mind. And each time we see, we see Jesus just being faithful to God's spirit. And it's, I think it's the author of Matthew saying, hey, like, what was going on with Israel? What was going on in that Old Testament? Like, this is the continuation and the fulfillment of it. So um, I think like it's, it's super great to read it as a way that we fight temptation, but it's also um, the way I can really get excited about it is it's an invitation into what Jesus is doing now, that his ministry uh, was a continuation of the promise to Israel that this is how we're going to bless the world. This is how we're going to set the captives free and give sight to the blind. And that just, it makes Christianity feel so much bigger than just like, am I going to make the right decision right now? That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, I got something um, kind of similar out of that. Um, I really stuck out, or what stuck out to me was how um, when Satan basically quoted scripture about three times or asked him these questions, um, Jesus' re replies were actually the same replies that he gave, or that God gave to the Israelites when they were in their wilderness season for 40 years. So I thought that was a very interesting tieback from, and, and kind of perspective that Jesus has about the Old Testament. And to answer someone's question that just came in, um, that at the end when Satan says, you know, follow me and I'll give you this world, um, I think that just kind of shows that, you know, Satan wants to pretend like he has authority over the world, but Jesus knew that. And as soon as Jesus said, be gone, Satan left. And I think that that's crucial to know that Satan is going to be a liar and try to kill, steal, and destroy. But at the end, Jesus, all he has to do is say leave, and, Je and Satan leaves, and that's where the supreme authority lies. And so I also thought that that was very interesting on how, you know, when Jesus was done being tempted, he's like, all right, I'm done, see you later. And then Satan left, and then the angels came and attended to him. I think that was awesome. Um, cool. So that kind of, let's, let's kind of jump into our next question here, which is, what does it mean to be led by the Holy Spirit? And how can we know, or, or what is kind of defining that, finding kind of comfort in knowing that, you know, a spirit or a part of God 
is actually leading us? And what does that look like for you? The easy one. Um, I, I thought that there was something wrong with me for a long time because so much of how uh, it gets talked about in church or, or different Christian cultures is, you know, the Holy Spirit called me to this. The Holy Spirit told me this as if it was this audible voice, you know, that, that whispers into your ear and kind of gives you, you know, here's the path and you just have to have the courage and the obedience to follow it. And that, that's never happened to me. Um, and I used to think that there was something wrong with that. And I think so much of what the beauty of, as I've studied more and more about the way the Holy Spirit gets talked about in the Bible is there's so many different images, right? You have this pillar of fire, which is like as amazing and, you know, like you can't ignore that. But then there's this still small whisper. Um, and Mark, what you talked about yesterday, of like, or last week, um, of breath. And that's the one that really has stuck out to me of learning what it means to be led by the Spirit of, I don't. I don't think I've ever heard a voice, and to be honest, like I probably wouldn't trust it. I would go take an Advil or something if I did. Um, but the idea of breath, of it's something that it's foreign, but it's also inside of you and, and kind of part of you, and, and it feels really natural in that sense. Um, and when I think about the Holy Spirit in that sense, it makes a lot, it makes more sense. Um, it's the sort of thing of there are times where I don't know if it's my idea, I don't know if it came from somewhere that wasn't me, but it's, it's just a thought or a prodding inside me that's like, hey, you know, maybe if you talk to this person, you could introduce more love into the situation. Or maybe if you acted in this way, it could open up a new possibility in the situation. And I don't know if it's the spirit or not, but it feels in line with the way I understand God moving the world, and so I can trust it in that sense, but I don't, I don't hear the voice, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I actually went on this question, I wanted to share some thoughts with you tonight from someone named Gary Moon, who is a great spiritual practices thinker. He's down at Westmont now. Um, he was in Atlanta. Uh, he is good friends with John Ortberg, and he was a real uh, colleague of Dallas Willard's. And so uh, he's done a lot of thinking around this, and I remember hearing him talk, uh, give a talk a few years ago that just really stuck with me. So I actually printed out some of it to bring you. But one thing I remember he said that was so kind of profound for me was oftentimes when you're listening for the Spirit, um, what the Spirit may be saying to you is to do something more mundane than grandiose. And that always has stuck with me, that oftentimes maybe even Satan in this passage was showing things very grandiose to Jesus. You can have the whole world, you can have this, you can have power. Um, but almost the life of Jesus was a lot of serving in very small, humble weak ways. Um, and so when Gary Moon said that, you know, if you're trying to decide, is this me talking? Is this Satan talking? Is this the spirit talking? That that's one very interesting um, kind of way you can help to discern. It might be something being called to the mundane, to the conversation that you need to have with someone, to serving someone else, to showing up, you know. So the other things he said that I thought were so helpful, so I'm just going to read you this. Um, one of his uh, students asked him the following question. I actually believe that God wants to spend time with me and talk with me. But when I spend time with him, 
how do I know that it is his voice that I'm hearing? And so he said the following. He used kind of an image of a radio station, which I know we don't really do anymore. But, you know, if you're listening to the station WGOD instead of WSIN, um, <laughs> how do you know which station you're listening to? So first he says, become aware of your emotions after hearing the communication. And two, if you feel driven, guilty, anxious, fearful, or condemned, the chances are pretty great that you're hearing from WSIN. If you feel invited, peaceful, calm, loved, or perhaps gently convicted, it's more likely that you heard from God. Remember, the Holy Spirit's job, one of many, is to help us gently be convicted of our sin so that we will let God change us from within our hearts. The Spirit is our counselor. So I've always remembered Gary Moon talking about that. And in my own prayer life, I, I try to think, is this station my way? My way of anger and frustration and jealousy? Or is, is this God's voice that I'm hearing? And God's voice is usually the way that Gary describes it, of love and compassion and quiet, mundane serving. So. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> so good. That's awesome. Um, I don't know how to follow that, but um, I would say, you know, when it comes to, to knowing if the Holy Spirit is, is leading you, I would just look back at the passage. Something else that stuck out to me was the fact that the very same spirit that descended on Jesus while he was getting baptized, that was the exact same spirit that led him to the wilderness. So that tells me that the wilderness in and of itself isn't a bad thing, right? That's just life. You know, that we're, we're always going to get into that situation. Um, and then you realize the fact that Satan didn't say anything until Jesus had already fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He, he was quiet. He was just in the, in the woods, posted up, just watching. And so that tells me, again, that the wilderness, the, your presence in the wilderness in and of itself isn't a bad thing. Um, and so it also shows me that, you know, knowing that you're being led by the Holy Spirit isn't a matter of product, right? It's not, it's not oh, I'm being, I'm being good now. Me and God are in, in a good place, so that must mean that he's leading me. It's not about product. It's about proximity. It's about proximity and relationship with him. And I can guarantee you, if you can get that under control, if you can get that relationship under control, when you look at God as, as a father, as a brother, as a friend, rather than somebody that's sitting up high ready to just zap you, if you look at him as a friend, then I promise you, you'll know when he's leading you. Yes, I, uh, another um, easy way to, I think, to recognize um, the Holy Spirit's voice is comparing with the sheep and the shepherd. Uh, the sheep always recognize the shepherd's voice. So I think it's the same for us. Like, we build a relationship with God. We um, get, like, sensitive to God's voice. So when the Holy Spirit comes to talk to us, we just recognize it. Like, it's him. Like, and I think uh, besides that comes the peace and the, like, the ha you feel, like, happy. You, you really want to go to that place or you want to really want to do that thing that the Holy Spirit is calling you to do. So good. Thanks, everyone. That was great. So we kind of touched on being led, and now let's go to 
maybe where, where has been a time in your life where you not only had that you feel led by the Spirit, but you were led by the Spirit into the wilderness or into a tough season? And what did that experience mean to you, and what did you take away from that experience? Um, I have uh, a story to share with you guys, and it's my own experience. Uh, about like five or six years ago, uh, I was in a long relationship, and we were like planning to get married and everything. Uh, and then I had this feeling that that was not what God like wanted for me, uh, either for him. And I think he had this feeling too. Uh, so we were praying, uh, and then uh, it's complicated to explain, but God uh, talked to me like very clearly that he had much more like to do in my life, and that relationship was kind of limiting me, so I needed to just like, it's not giving up, but just let it go and live this new life that God had for me. So... Uh, not only for by obedience, but also because I trust God, I decided to break up and just uh, be like open for everything that God uh, would have for me. And then uh, God started like working my life. But from that day that I, I took this decision um, until now, <laughs> uh, the devil is trying. I, I've seen him trying to stop me or to uh, use even the scriptures to convince me that the promise is not true, that God is a liar. So the first way, as in the um, passage of Jesus, uh, the, first, uh, the first way that the devil uh, used to try to like, lie to me was saying that I was uh, the wrong person in this story. I was not following what God said in the scriptures because the scripture said if you love someone, you'll be patient and everything. So, and that's true. It is in the Bible. But that was not my case because God talked to me and he, he showed me um, something else that exceeded what uh, people were, like, believing because they didn't have that promise that I had. So they, they didn't understand what I understood. Uh, so after that, I was there... Uh, Okay, I trust God, no matter what. And then he came and he was like, okay, if you're not getting back to him, I will give you other options. But those options were not uh, the options that God had for me. Uh, and actually, I think God was not worried about to give me someone else. He was worried about my spiritual growth. He had so much to do in my spiritual uh, life and, to, you know, to just take me to other places and, to teach me many things, and as I told you guys, uh, that relationship was limiting me. So uh, that's, that was the second, second temptation that I had. And the third one that I think maybe was the hardest was uh, this voice in my, ear, in my ears saying like, you never find another, someone else. You never be loved again the way you were or like you'll be alone forever. And it was hard because sometimes I felt like I was kind of believing that, but um, as Jesus, he, um, he was fasting and praying 
I was like, okay, I think this is the time for me to pray and to fast and to keep trusting God because if he promised me, he's like, he's going to do what he promised. He's, he's not a liar. So um, one thing that helps me a lot uh, when I'm feeling, um, I don't know, just weak is to pray a lot and to fast and also to keep building this relationship because as much as you like get close to God, more like spiritually you, you become. You, you kind of forget your light and you like are full of the Holy Spirit so there is no space for something else come to your life. I think the, the first real wilderness moment I experienced was my first years of college when I moved up here. Um, I grew up in a, a pretty conservative Christian community and was, was very involved and very active there. And then, um, you know, moved away from my friends and my family, uh, came to school. I, I studied religious studies, and so now I'm in classrooms that are looking at, looking at the Bible, looking at elements of faith from a very different interpretation. And it was... It was um, it was startling in a lot. I mean, they make bad Christian movies about like that exact example. Um, and so I had to figure out what do I believe? Do the things that I actually believe hold up? Um, and it was really alienating because a lot of times the questions that I had, I didn't feel like the church wanted in that space. Um, I felt like I was going through it alone. And even like the one place where I should get to talk about and ask these questions, um, I was I was scared to, or I, it wasn't received well because a lot of people were like, "Hey, man, we're just here to sing songs and talk about the things we believe. Like, stop bringing doubt into this." Uh, and that was really difficult for me. And there was something that that I could only describe as the spirit that happened of that I kept showing up and I kept coming, and the spirit was praying for me even when I didn't think that prayer was a thing. Um, and what I learned from it is that the wilderness can be a very uncomfortable place, but like uh, just like Jeremy said, it's not necessarily a bad place in and of itself. Um, and it caused me to go through this big deconstruction period where I learned like a lot of the stuff that I believed, I only believed because everyone else did or um, because I was afraid of what would happen if I didn't believe it. And um, some of that got tossed and I had to go find new interpretations that I felt were compelling or have honest questions with people around me um, about like the real honest doubts that I had. Uh, but it led to this like new, more full image of who God is. Um, and it allowed me to say like, I trust and believe in an entirely new different way than I did before. Um, and knowing that, you know, God, the spirit was faithful in that wilderness period that's, um, I think there's a courage in that of, of once you sit in it once and um, have this ability to say like, yeah, like the spirit is in the wilderness. The spirit is counseling and comforting me in the wilderness. It makes it not so scary when you end up there again. That's great. Thanks, Jason. So now we'll kind of move into some of your questions that have been coming in. Thank you so much to everyone who has sent them in. I've got a, a, a quite a few here, so I'm sorry if we can't get to everyone's. Um, 
here's, here's a question. Sometimes we see challenges or hard times as punishments. Do you think that Jesus or God would lead us into a desert purposely to punish us or to hurt us? Okay. Don't all fight at once, guys. It's okay. Okay. All right. Here I go, Mark. You okay. do it, Lisa. I told Mark this hard thing about this passage to me personally that he got led into the wilderness. It's just, that's a hard phrase to start out, isn't it? How can our loving, compassionate God lead his, his most beloved son into a wilderness? You know, that's, that's tough. Um, but, you know, I think people have grappled with that throughout the ages, haven't they? Why is there suffering? Why is there evil? Why, what is God's role in allowing suffering and temptation an all loving God why do we have this world that we do and you know actually there's other multiple examples like Chase said the Israelites in the wilderness um, Job you know God was there leading Job into suffering he didn't stop it um, even uh, Abraham with his most beloved son Isaac God led him into the wilderness there with little Isaac um, and then Jesus's deepest wilderness, the cross. You know, God didn't stop that. He led him there too. So it is real. As much as I don't like it, as much as I don't want to say that the scripture says that, it says that, that God led him there. And so um, actually yesterday I had a good image about this, and it was about my husband Tom is a really good backpacker. He's from Washington State and he grew up doing a lot of really intense backpacking. I think he's climbed Mount Rainier, you know, whatever, a bunch of times, and he's done all this ice camping where you like hack into these ice caves and sleep in these caves. And he's all um, certified in wilderness first aid in case you have a heart attack when you're out on the mountain, he knows what to do. And so he took our boys on a lot of significant backpacking and did Boy Scout um, backpacking here in California with them because this is something he loves. And he took them into the wilderness for like 10 days at a time and he led them, right? He led them into the wilderness. But he was the expert guide. And uh, they actually had one situation where we had had a bunch of rain in California and they got way out into the wilderness where there was like no cell phone reception and no turning back and all that kind of stuff. And the rain had been so tremendous that it washed out the trail. And so they had to do this really actually very dangerous thing where they had to kind of build this bridge with these sticks and trees and stuff to try to get across this big roaring rushing thing. And the boys had to like hold on to each other to get across. Um, you know, but Tom was an expert guide and Tom was not messing around and he knew what he was doing out there. And so the boys could hold on to him and hold on to each other and he navigated through that wilderness for them. And so that's really the image I got yesterday, Mark, on this when I was telling you, oh, I don't like the part about this passage <laughs> that he's doing that to Jesus that he loves. He's leading him into the wilderness. Um, but I really, that helped me a lot thinking that Yes, he does. He does lead us into our wildernesses, and he is. That's real. But he's not just leading us there. He's leading us all the way through it, um, and he's our expert guide, and we can hang on. We can hang on behind him in the darkness, in the despair, um, in the way that we can't see ourselves how to get out. Just hang on. Hang on to him. 
he's very close and he he is in control. That's good. That's great. Here's another awesome question. I've got a lot of questions kind of similarly around this topic. I appreciate Lisa's empathetic attitude towards people who are mistreating others unfairly or people who are in power and have a biased lens. Is there a point when we need to stop being empathetic and fight in some way against the unfairness? Or what does it look like for a follower of Jesus to fight? Uh, I think uh, talking about there's so many different ways that the Spirit gets talked about. In the Old Testament, um, the prophets, a lot of times they are delivering words that, that they are saying were straight from God. Um, and these are people, this prophetic voice is the one that's standing up for the marginalized, marginalized, standing up for the people that are being held captive. And that is the toughest thing to me because I hate confrontation and I want nice, warm Jesus that just, you know, hugs children and pets lambs and things. Um, but I, I really do think that there is a moment where it, it does require confrontation. It does require standing up against something. Um, and it's a question of against what? And I think it's when we, um, through the Spirit, are aligning ourselves against people. That's where things get really difficult because it does say in Scripture, you know, our, our fight is not with flesh and blood. It's, it's on a spiritual dimension. Um, and the moment we start sorting people into groups, into us versus them, that becomes a problem because we've now demonized part of God's creation versus, like, I can say I, I hate poverty. I think that there are systemic things that Christians should be fighting for to alleviate poverty, not just, you know, um, handling homelessness on a symptom case-by-case -case basis. But that doesn't mean that I can get there by, you know, demonizing a certain political party or group. I think every time we see the spirit, it's calling for reconciliation, and it's calling for um, bringing people into their full humanity, you know, changing the people, not just trying to destroy a certain element um, or, or tribe. Uh, so I think that yeah, we as Christians do need to be strong and courageous, and we need to talk about what the Spirit is doing on a community level. You know, if if you feel like you're getting something that says, I need to advocate for this person, and I feel like this is coming from God, talk with trusted people. You know, like um, vet that. The, com the Spirit is working in a group to make sure that our own biases aren't leading that. Um, something that can feel righteous, uh, but ends up having our tinges of, pain and our tinges of hatred that we have as people in it. That's great. Yeah. Um, I just kind of want to wrap up and maybe just dive a little bit deeper into Lisa's point of, um, yeah, someone awesome just sent in, per Lisa's story, God isn't just leading Jesus into the wilderness, rather leading them through the wilderness. And hang on to him, learn from that experience, come out on the other side stronger and better for it. Um, I think there's a lot of truth in that. I think there's a lot of truth in when we follow Jesus into the wilderness. Um, I don't necessarily know if it's biblical or not to think that God leads us into the wilderness to, to make us better or to strengthen us, but I do think that's a byproduct of following Jesus through seasons. And I think that's an interesting distinction to make is it's not God leads us into a wilderness so that we can get better or have more faith or develop these traits, however... God calls us to follow Jesus or to ev through everything, whether the season's good or bad or high or low. And just by having that relationship and that continual 
um, communication with Jesus, I think that's really what builds character. And so, cool. Uh, let's go ahead. I'm sorry that we're kind of out of time, but we'll just end with that. So let's thank our panelists so much for being up here. Yeah, that was great. So why don't you guys, yeah, perfect. Um, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, cool. And tonight we'd like to invite you guys to also continue in this conversation. Uh, we're going to be playing a few more songs. And then after that, we just, we're going to kind of leave this space open. And if you'd like to enter into conversation around these questions, around this topic with people around you, or um, we thought that, that we'd leave some space to do that. And maybe if you're in your life group, if you want to discuss these questions during this week, it would be an awesome opportunity to do so. And if you need help kind of facilitating those conversations, or if you want have more questions, the panelists are going to stick around after the service. And so we can be over there in that back corner near the prayer wall or prayer corner, and go ahead and find us. We'd love to answer some more of your questions.